I have yet another. We're not we're not really Instagram. I mean, we are Instagram friends, but I met you yes, at a wedding. wedding. Yes. And I remember, okay, do you have these moments when you recognize someone because of their Instagram picture and in your head they can tell you their name, but you're only saying their Instagram handle in your name in your head. Yep. 100%. And that's what happened at that wedding. I remember cuz our mutual friend Jenna introduced us, who we love. Big fans of Jenna, but she introduced us, and I was like, "Why do I know you? Why do I, I've seen you? I know you." And then I realized on Instagram, and then all of a sudden I'm thinking your your Instagram handle. Like when you came here, your name is Caitlin. Yes. I wanted to call you like Katie or what is your Instagram? Katie, Katie Tuck. Katie yeah. Tuck, and Everyone that's what. That. Listen, that's what I wanted to do was call you Katie Tuck, but uh, and then I realized that's weird because I don't know you that well <laughs> yet. And totally okay. it's great. And then, but you also, and we'll get into this, launched a new Instagram yes. page called a cup of Kate Mm -hmm. and it is share what that is okay so a cup of Kate it's cup with two p's because that's my maiden name it's couples and so I just was trying to be clever with words but the purpose of it is basically a space for me to kind of talk about my job and what I'm passionate about doing which is food and nutrition body image all that all that kind of stuff. I loved it. And so I saw, and I thought it was very clever. So Thank a nod you. to you. Thank it you. Great. It's easy to remember too. Yes. I recited it to you. It's a cup of Kate. Yeah. Because I see it in my head right now with the two P's and everything. Awesome. I love What that. is this world we live in though, where I just want to call everyone their like Instagram handle? 2021. Just, it is. That's where we're at. Welcome. What's it going to be in like 2040? What are we going to be? Will we just be numbers? Like, I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> Caitlin, let's just jump in. Do you, what do you go by? Caitlin? Katie? Caitlin. Kate? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which I'm ready for nicknames. Really I love anything. You know, whatever you say, I will accept. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just jump in, share a little bit about what your everyday looks like. You know, what you love to do, what you have to make yourself do, just all the basics. Yeah. So I am originally from Knoxville. I am registered dietitian. I, for fun, I really love walks. Walks at the park, specifically or on a greenway on a day like today. Like walks with a purpose or strolls? Um, Probably walks with a purpose. I'm not a good stroller. I'm not like, a good stroller. I'm not I'm not about meandering and it's just thinking about, like, I'm there to, to like, get a burn in. I want to yeah. sweat. I'm, I'm an Enneagram you. 3, if yeah. that makes oh, sense. So you don't stroll? No, ever. never. Nowhere I go is a stroll. We work on it. It's a work in progress. And then the other thing I was saying, this feels very basic, but I just love coffee and everyone that knows me knows my only order is an iced oat milk latte nothing in it just straight up that is joy and always iced year round always iced it will be negative two degrees probably Mm -hmm. not in Knoxville but if I go somewhere and it was negative two I would still get it do not waste my time on the hot coffee it is I can maybe maybe do like a hot chai tea latte but even that I want to be iced yes with coconut milk have you ever had that Yes, I have. Gosh. I'm biased towards the oat milk, but coconut milk is a good I've never second. had oat milk. Starbucks now has it. So Why do we like oat milk? What does it do for us? Just in coffee. Don't put it in anything else. If it's in anything else, it tastes really gross. But just in coffee, it does something uh, magical. I'm not sure. Just You know, I, I started doing almond milk in my cereal mm-hmm. so that the flavor of the cereal could cancel out the flavor of the almond milk. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to not do like regular milk because it can cause some some stomach troubles. <laughs> and yes. so I thought I'll do almond milk. I couldn't drink it just plain. There's not a chance. Okay. But if I put it in my cereal, yes. Yes. the flavor like of the fruity cereal, pebbles. exactly, it cancels out. <laughs> or the best, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Okay. There if we go. If you don't drink this, the milk after Cinnamon Toast Crunch, what are you doing? 
I don't know. You know, that's there. the base. That's what I've brought you here today to figure out. Kayla. To talk it's about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're married to Kevin. Been married two years, right? Almost two years. Yep. Uh, yep. How's the the early married life? It's still so good. It's it's really good. I mean, two years in, we hope it's still good. But <laughs> yeah, we're loving it. It's so good. We're both from around here, so we have family and. Lots of lots of couple friends that were enjoying it. We're enjoying the the no kids married life right now. You have to. That's what we were talking about before we started recording. Is there's just yes. something about those early years? Even I told her like Ryan and I were so poor, we had <laughs> no money at all. But it was just so special because you're living with your best friend. Absolutely, you're figuring out life together. You're getting mad when they tell you to turn your your underwear inside out or the right way out when you fold it. And I'm like, I don't do that either. Why? It's a waste of time. I'm oh just my. trying to get it done. Yes. You know, like I don't turn anything right side out when I am folding. I'm like, however it comes out of the dryer is how I'm folding it. All my clothes are inside out on the hanger. Yep. And then I'm annoyed though when I get ready. Like, Callie, come on. You can do better. But no, I'm not. I can't do better. This is, you're lucky it got hung up. This is it. Yes. This is what you got. That's what uh, on Sunday afternoons, I'm usually folding laundry. And I truly, I don't mind the washing and putting it in the dryer. I don't even mind the folding that bad. I cannot stand putting clothes away. They will be in a pile in my floor until I wear it's it. It's like a file system. And I'm like, just Absolutely. flip your thumb through. You find what you want and then just put it on. I cannot. But I'm always so satisfied when they're put away. Yes. I hate it. I'm <laughs> I so glad so I could much. share this with someone. Yes. I just, yes. Sorry, this Kevin. This is turning into my own therapy this session is, here. <laughs> this is what you signed up for. <laughs> you knew it. It was coming. This is the rest of your life. Fold your own laundry, put it away if you don't like it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Tell them that every day. But I love that. And you shared with the Instagram handle that you started. But what you get to do as a job now yeah. is your passion in life. And that's Absolutely. so rare. Not many of us get to do that. And it's so special when you do. But I want you to share like just how we can relearn how we view our bodies and the food that we put in mm-hmm. and just where did you, where did that start for you? Because I know you had to do it. Yeah. And so who better to speak to it? But why, why has it become such a passion for you? Yeah. Well, I didn't even know my job existed when I was in college and you're going to college, finding out your career. I went to my college to play a sport, talons up Carson Newman, but I didn't even know my job existed. And I went into my major because of an unhealthy relationship with food. So my job as a registered dietitian, but I do eating disorder nutrition counseling. So how I got there is I went into college with a nutrition major because now looking back, I was really just obsessed with food and exercise and I thought I was passionate about it, but for different reasons then. So to set it all up, I was in high school. I'm a very tall person. So I always felt like I kind of stuck out very insecure about my height. So I figured, well, I didn't know this then, but when I look back, that if I could shrink my size, like my waistline, like side to side, not inches, because I'm six foot tall, then maybe that could help me feel a little bit more accepted. And so somewhere along the line, I got the notion that if you're smaller, you're more worthy of acceptance and being thin means you're more likable. So I was trying to achieve that really just to fit in and to feel better about who I was because I didn't think I was okay the way I was. So I feel like most high schoolers feel insecure about something. And that was, that was mine. So that started pretty innocently, just trying to get healthier, you know, not eating as much processed food as they tell you, like eating more fruits and vegetables and working out more. And then it was working out more and more and eating less and less. And then I was blessed to go to college on a basketball scholarship. And then it kind of just revved up in college because you're out of your home. You're in a weird environment. You don't know anyone. You're nervous. 
And so I started developing other eating disorder behaviors and it was really just in a dark place. And it wasn't, it was no longer me controlling my behaviors and disciplining myself. I realized that it was controlling me and I couldn't help but puke after I ate something that I felt guilty for or eat a whole jar of peanut butter because I was starving. And so I felt really out of control with that, but no one knew it on the outside. So it was something that was very, very secretive, like most eating disorders are. And everyone just on the outside thought I was this super disciplined, healthy person who had just great habits. And so for me, it was really halfway through college that I've really just felt like the Lord brought me kind of to the end of myself in a lot of ways of, listen, you can't, you can't live like this anymore. And I've tried to show you that your worth and acceptance doesn't come from what you look like. It comes from me, but I had to bring you, I've had to bring you to this place to figure that out. And so I was on a, I was on a hunt for healing and I mean, I didn't know anyone that had an eating disorder before I did. I didn't know anyone that had suffered with that stuff. And I thought I was like this anomaly. Anomaly. I got you. Thank you. Thank you. That just, I was the only one that had this issue. And I was looking on Instagram and on Google and for books and resources for healing and try to figure out how I could fix this and, and, I was afraid to go to counseling. I was afraid to seek professional help because again, like I didn't want anyone to really know other than the people that had to know. And so I was really resistant towards that. But I found through my searches, a lot of eating disorder dietitians that brought me a lot of peace and a lot of healing. And they, they told, they said things that I'd never heard of that made so much sense. I resonated so much. And so that was really when I, started to heal. And from that through the end of college, I, you know, began recovery and I just kept following these people. And my nutrition major that I went into for all the wrong reasons became so clear that it was the right reasons. And God had a plan the whole time how to use that. So he, he kind of does what he always does and just use broken things to make a beautiful thing out of it. And yeah, that's how I get to do what I'm doing today. So it's so awesome. I do wonder when you were in it, like in college and you said, you know, you were in a a dark place. Do you see that now looking back or did you realize it in the moment? It was a dark place because there was such deep insecurity. And I mean, I was way, way, way too small. I mean, there was a lot of medical issues, physical issues that were going on that were relating to me being just physically too thin. And I knew that, but I also knew that there was a huge part of me that loved that. And that was really, really happy to be that thin. So there's a part of me that loved it. And then the bigger part of me knew that this was not sustainable. And God really used that season to show me, you know, that was not of him. So it felt like I was in a constant spiritual warfare as well. So it was both. And in the moment I could see both sides, but looking back, it was, it was just pretty dark. And that's what I think for me, I don't realize what, how I was in college and that I would eat like carrots and mustard for lunch or I would, you know, like it was just like this. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was such a need and grab at control because I didn't feel out of control. You know, like I truly didn't like, Mm -hmm. I didn't feel out of control. I just really liked that clothes fit all of a sudden. Like I would pick something off and everything fit. And I went from a time when it felt like nothing ever fit. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I get in college and my first few years out of college and everything did. And I got addicted to that feeling of, 
I can put anything on and it fits right. Like I remember going on trying on wedding dresses and mm-hmm. there are these size two and four wedding dresses that I had no business. My body is not made to be that small. Yes. I had no business same. fitting into them, but mm-hmm. I did. And I got, it was like an addiction. I was like, gosh, it feels it was good to know. But then there's the flip side of it. Of I've lived by rules. Like, yeah, cannot eat that. Cannot eat that. Cannot. I would go out to eat and eat like nothing. I would, you know, like just to, mm-hmm. uh, just to feel like I was maintaining. It takes over your life yeah. and it doesn't look like that from the outside. But really when I look back on that time, it was all I thought about. It was the only thing that it was like the top priority. You're, you're exactly right. I remember like all day I would plan what I would get to eat. Like, yep. okay, if I can make it to, and I did it by time. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I will have oatmeal at 745 and then I will have my carrots and mustard at, you know, 12 on the dot. And then I won't mm-hmm. eat again. Until, and it was like. The, yeah. Every minute of the day I knew what I was going to eat or not eat. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And see, like, it's such a common storyline for so many people when they look back. And the fact that I didn't know anyone that had struggled with that felt, and now looking back, there was so many people that have come forward or told me since I've been open, like, Hey, I struggle with that too. I'm like, people need to start talking about this because it's so pervasive. And you know, that college season, that high school season, when you're seeking control from everything, you're just trying to find a coping mechanism to deal with all the stress you're under and find, trying to fit in at the same time. And it just fits in so perfectly into our culture is like an okay way to deal with stress. And then it's not that okay well and and now you have a job that you get to have these conversations with people Mm -hmm. all the time you get to hear their stories and partner with them and walking through their stories and so I know that you have heard tons of stuff like from my story is not new to you like what Mm -hmm. I believe to be true is not new the lies that I was believing are not Mm -hmm. new to you but what do you think are you know like the top two to three lies people believe about healthy body weight. Cause for me, I would look at the scale and I was like, I don't want that number going above one twenty three. was my number. Yes. Like, it needed to stay at one, one, two, three. And I did. And if it went above it, then I did. I weighed myself every single day, multiple times a day. Yeah. It was crazy. So yeah. what are just a couple lies that people believe? What do you see people struggling to grasp the most? It's funny you say the number piece, because that was the first one I was going to say is health is a number is a huge lie that I believed people everywhere believe. And we all have our numbers. We all do. Like you can probably name it right now as you're listening to this. But it's not just the scale. It's a pant size. It's a calorie limit. It's it's so many different things that we fit our health into this box of numbers. And it's so much more than that. We have to remember like our bodies are so uniquely created and so perfectly created and so uniquely different. Like I don't need the same amount of calories as anyone else probably because I have such different, I have a different height, weight, hormones, sleep schedule, hydration, you know, all those things change because we're all so uniquely different. So I think a lot of people believe that health is just a number, but health is so much more than just the amount of calories you have or that number on the scale. Because for me, the lowest number I ever had on the scale was the most unhealthy place I've ever been. And that is the truest statement I could say. And it is so hard for me to see people just feeling like, well, I have to get to that number in order to like myself or in order to be healthy. And my, my thing is, if you are treating your body with respect and kindness, if you're giving it nutrition it needs, the rest it deserves, and you're 
honoring your cravings, but you're also honoring the nutrition needs you have. You're moving your body when it feels good and, and you're not when it doesn't feel good. That is health to me among a lot of other different parameters, mentally, spiritually, but just physically and physical health speaking, that is that number just means so little and we make it so big. And, you know, we just, we've developed all these habits around Mm -hmm. the number. And I love that you said it's not just a scale. It's a pant size. It is, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the number of calories even like the, I never calorie counted. I just knew what had a lot and what didn't. And I went to the things that, that's why I did carrots and mustard zero. Good and bad foods. Yes. You know, like it's, it's not bad. It's good and I'm fine. But there's so much of the calorie counting and like the levels and all mm-hmm. like you need to hit this number and hit this number. And some people can do it really, really well. Mm-hmm. I would get obsessive yeah. with it. I remember yeah. when I went on birth control, I, I gained weight mm-hmm. and I went on Weight Watchers cause I could not stand it. Like I wanted the calories gone. Sure. And I was obsessed with being under the numbers. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want to hit them. I wanted to be like under them. way under. Yes. Yeah. Just, just, just again to prove that I could do it. How do you unlearn habits like that? I mean, how, where do you start when you're like, I don't want to think like this anymore, but I don't know how yeah. to back out of it. Yeah. It's so hard. It's so hard. I, I think back to when I was unlearning things that I just believed because of culture. And I think that's something we have to remember when we're thinking about the habits that we've learned, where we learn them. I mean, we've all learned them from somewhere, either our moms or our friends, moms or Instagram or wherever, like, and it could just be a cultural norm. Like, yeah, 1200 calories, for example, that's a huge, like, I I hear that all the time. It's like, yeah, well, I try to stand to that. Well, why? Well, because so-and-so was and and -and so-and-so was, and and that's just the number. And it's just, it's just hard. It's just hard when that's what the predominant culture believes is true too. And you're trying to unlearn what culture is trying to like push in your face. So I would say in any habit with food and nutrition or really anything is if you're going to unlearn a habit, you have to replace the habit. So a good first example is just anyone you follow on social media that talks about what they eat constantly, their fitness routine constantly. And those are things are not inherently bad. I do want to say that it's just if where you're at is that if that's not supportive for where you are and you're trying to unlearn these things, it's probably not going to be helpful. And then I would seek sources, whether that's coming to see a dietitian or reading a book too that I love is intuitive eating and then one called body kindness. Those are both really great sources for replacing all that information you've received and replacing it with something that feels more true. And and that's what I did, honestly, is like this stuff aligned with where my heart was, with what I believed about nutrition, but I didn't know what the words were. So I would do that. And then I would just, I would seek accountability in it, whether that's a mentor, a dietitian, a best friend, a mom, just first saying that you have a problem and you want support in it and try to help them keep you accountable to not engage in those behaviors or those habits anymore. That that means like at noon, like on every Saturday you go out for ice cream because you wouldn't let yourself have ice cream before with someone. Great. Like let that be the habit you replace with maybe like a your third gym visit of the day or something. Yeah. It, and that requires so much vulnerability though, like the mm-hmm. accountability part. Cause I remember sitting at a table and it was, I think it was, I was a year out of college. We were having a cookout mm-hmm. and I was sitting there and I had taken a hamburger and I love hamburgers are my favorite food. I love mm-hmm. a good hamburger, but I had taken just the patty and I'd cut it up into little pieces and I'd put it on top of a salad yeah. and then put mustard on top of it so that I would just have, 
you know, a protein and just nothing vegetables else, and nothing yeah. else, literally nothing else. Mm-hmm. And one of my best friends from college sat down next to me and she was like, I really feel like I need to ask you, like, do you eat? Like, yeah. do you eat real food? And I was mad. I was like, yeah, I am right now. Look, I'm eating. I love that friend. And <laughs> I know. And she was like, it just, because she spent a ton of time with me. She was like, Callie, I don't see you eating normal food. Like, yeah. I see you like doing weird things like this. Because she was like, this is weird. And I mean, she was like my yeah. most forthcoming friend. I love it. And she was like, this is actually, this is weird to eat a hamburger like this. And I was like, no, this is just how I like to eat my burgers. Yeah. And I pushed it off, you know, and mm-hmm. I look back now and she saw it. But the problem was, I really didn't see it. Like, mm. I did not, until now, looking back, realize the unhealthy habits that I had started mm-hmm. thinking they were healthy. Because like you said, everyone thought I was just really disciplined. Yep. Like, like I would You're get praised. up at, I, Exactly. I would get up at mm-hmm. 4 a.m. and I would work out for two and a half, two hours. Yep. As a college student, I would go to the 6 a.m. classes at the gym on campus. And I was one of the only ones there because that's crazy. Like who in college does that? I I would have basketball (laughs) games in college, collegiate sporting event. And then when we got off the bus back home, I would go to like the rec center and run. Yes. And, and I would have to do it in hiding because like my coach would see my, my friends would see. And in the moment you're just like, I have to. And they, they, I think most people shrug it off as well. They're so disciplined and really think they're so disciplined. And what's sad is people think they need to be like that. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, Oh, if I, I and that's truly what I'm trying to do is yeah. trying to, I feel like I'm reverse the mistakes. I feel like I made. So people mm-hmm. don't make those same yes. mistakes. And I mean, yeah. you have these people who see the red flags before you do, mm-hmm. but what are some of those red flags? Like there might be people listening and they're mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I just really like scheduling the stuff out. I like hitting numbers. I like, do, you know, like, mm-hmm. and some of them, it is healthy for them and they're fine. Like they can have a healthy grasp of stuff like that. But yeah, What are just some of those basic red flags that you have an unhealthy relationship with food or with your body in general? Yeah, I think it, I think it goes back to a lot of your motivation. So if you're listening and you're like, I do all of these things. Well, if your motivation is truly, you're just trying to be healthier. Okay. That's, that's fine. But if you're doing some of the behaviors I'm about to mention, this usually indicates more than just trying to be healthy. And then if it's more than just being healthy, what is it? What's that motivation underneath? So I would, I would ask that question first, but when it comes to the habits that really I see as something that is potentially a problem is when there's like that obsessiveness about a number, whether it's a scale, a pan size, a calorie limit. And if I ask you to go over that number, what the implications are, if you can't handle that, that's something I would be concerned about. So if I ask someone to eat 2000 calories and they're eating 1200, okay, what does that do to you? Does that cause a lot of anxiety in you? And what, and I do this with clients is I ask them, what if you did weigh 20 pounds more than you do now? Mm -hmm. Would you value yourself less as a person? Would you think that you're not worthy of love and Mm -hmm. acceptance? Those are some questions I would ask. And then it comes down to honoring your body. Like if you're pushing it, six, seven days a week when you're exhausted and you're sacrificing sleep, you're getting three hours of sleep, but you're going to work out. That doesn't make a lot of sense because you're not actually being healthy. You're not giving your body the rest it needs when we're doing that. And so there is a fine line between discipline and disordered. And it, I think it, it's a very gray line, but again, I think it goes back to your motivations and the implications. If you don't do that, what that's going to, what that's going to cause inside of you. You know, I, 
I remember when I was working out that way, it used to be, I would work out as almost like a punishment. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if I did, I have a big sweet tooth. And so I would not eat so I could have like some sweet at night and not feel bad about it. Right. Yep. But then I would wake up in the morning and be like, no, I've got to run more or I've got to work out this much harder. And now I look at why I work out and it's because I finally realized like I'm better for it. Like I Mm -hmm. feel better for doing it. And Mm -hmm. that's why I do it. And the stress relief, the like it's the 30 to 45 minutes by myself. My motivations have changed and I can compare my motivations now and see what used to be like this punishment and this like no you have to pay the price for what you ate or what you didn't do last yesterday. You didn't work yep. out yesterday, so you got to do twice as hard today. You know, that mm-hmm. motivation piece is such a huge part yes. of the process in general. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I realized my motivations were so off. Yeah. You know, yeah. until, until really, until you just described, like, why do you do it now? But I know that we think restrictive eating or excessive exercise, we think that that is the solution. You know, if we don't like how we look or how things fit, then this is our solution, right? Mm -hmm. Why is that actually not where you're going to find the piece you're probably looking for? One of my other, one of the other lies I was going to actually say earlier was that fixing your body doesn't fix your broken body image. And because it doesn't matter how small you get, if this was true for me and so many of my clients, there's always like five extra pounds you could lose. There's always, there's always something else that you're going to be looking for when you're trying to find acceptance through what you look like on the outside, whether that's self-acceptance or whether that's acceptance of other people, you're never going to find it when it's from external things. It's so much of that internal and spiritual worth that you're going to find that from. So it doesn't matter if you're the thinnest person in the room or you've met your goal weight. If you don't like who you are as a person, you're not going to like what you look like. You're not. And so that for me has been so revolutionary, but it's such a hard concept for people to believe because we're, we're met with so many perfect looking bodies every day and they look so happy. And if, if we, we automatically think if I look like that, I'll be happy and I, I'm just here to tell you from experience, it's not true. I'm the heaviest I've ever been, yet I would arguably say I'm in one of the most content places I've ever been. And that's a really, that 18-year-old me would be terrified by that thought. Terrified. But again, it is so much about that internal peace and your motivations like we were talking about. If my motivation to work out is to treat my body with kindness and respect and because I feel better when I do it, I'm a better wife and a better friend because of it, then absolutely. But if one day I don't, that's not going to make me feel like I'm less of a person. So I would say, yeah, if you're, if you feel really good because you're in a certain pant size, I would just check your heart in that. Of, of I feel like that's a really cliche line, check your heart, but I would. And I would say that just to ask yourself, like, is this really the most important part of me? A quote that I love is someone said, a dietitian actually, she said, is your pant size really the most interesting thing about you? Mm-hmm. And that like captivated me because truly, like when we were saying, it's all I thought about. It really was the most interesting thing about me. And I don't want that to be the most interesting thing about me. So make sure that you're prioritizing other things above your physical health because your spiritual health your mental health those things are very very important too and what's so hard is like when you start losing weight the first thing anyone says to you 
is you look so good. Mm. Like, have you lost weight? You look so good. Yes. And I remember talking to a friend of mine's mom and she, I was talking with her because my friend was upset about the weight she had gained. She had gotten married and it's mm-hmm. almost inevitable when you get married, you just put on some, a few pounds. Yep. Like mm-hmm. you just do, you're happy. Happy weight. You know, it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is what she said to me. She was like, I said, you know, she's so upset that she's gained weight. And I said, and she just said, but Callie, she's actually like happy. Like I, she, she thinks she looks at the number. She's only upset when she sees the number, but yes. when she's living her everyday life, yes, she is happy and that's what I want for her I want her to be happy and if it's with a few extra pounds Mm -hmm. that's okay because she is and so then I started like how do you shift that narrative how instead of like you look like you've lost weight what if like hey you look really happy like because you never say to someone you look like you've gained weight you're never gonna say that to anyone no but instead what if you just like adjusted what you say to people who Mm -hmm. you know or don't know or who you love like, hey, you look really happy. And that's the thing we celebrate instead Absolutely. of, you know, it's just it points to something internal, not yeah. to something external. And if I hear like I really and I know, again, it's cultural. A lot of us, we we all feel like I don't know if it's a southern thing, but we all feel like we need to comment on someone's look or someone's outfit or have you lost weight. And just as like a filler word, but I was just can we find other fillers, please? Because one of the one of the bigger messages I've wanted to talk about lately, even on that, my Instagram page is you never, never comment on someone's weight because you never really know what they're going through. Like I had a a girl, it's a friend of mine. She was like, she was diagnosed with a like chronic and autoimmune condition and she lost a lot of weight and she kept getting compliments of how good she looked. And she was like, if you only knew what I was going through right now, you wouldn't say that. And anyone ever that I, that I've had in my office, they said, well, I kept doing it because people said it, it looked feels good. good. Yeah. yeah. When people are like, Hey, you look great. It's like, okay, well I yeah. need to try harder then. Yeah. And, and so really, yeah, truly. I love that. Just, Hey, you look really happy. I think that's such a better alternative to, yeah. Hey, you look so good. Cause have you lost weight? that kind of thing. I was complaining to a friend one day because I had lost weight, but I was stuck at a number. And this mm-hmm. was when I was doing my back and forth up and down stuff. And I said, I can't get under this number. And she's like, what if that's just your happy weight? What if your body just feels good? Yes. And, and that's why. Like, mm-hmm. why don't she basically was just like, just stop. Like, and basically, I know what she was really getting at. I was like, I don't want to hear about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but she was right. She was yeah. right. I mean, I talk about that. It's actually, you should tell your friend this because it's actually set in a lot of science. There's something we call the set point theory. And it's a 10 to 20 pound range where your body feels happiest. Really, it's it's your homeostasis weight. It's where your body can do everything it needs to do and it feels good doing it. So your body's going to give you signs if you're under that set point weight or if you're over that set point weight. We always talk about the ones that are over the set point weight, like the medical markers that are really, I don't know, they are fear mongered in the medical community, but really on the lower end is, is the one that I'm, I'm referring to like losing your menstrual cycle or your hormones, literally plummeting inability to sleep, constant chronic fatigue. Like these are all things that come with being under that set point weight. So if you feel like you have to fight to stay at a number or fight to get lower than that number, then it's probably not your number. Probably not. So 
And remember, in that set point range, that can carry you through a lot of seasons of life. I mean, through a lot of different marriage, that happy weight, you can probably, what if you're at the upper end of that? That's okay. But probably it'll go back down and and become neutral if you're listening to your cues, Mm. your hunger and fullness Mm. cues, you're sleeping regularly, you're treating your body with that respect we were talking about. So based off that, I mean, where do you start with a client? Like when you have a client Mm -hmm. and you're just at the most basic, like here's our first steps together. Here's what we're going to do. What does that look like? Yeah, so it feels unconventional, I would say, for many um, people that would visit a dietitian. But I always ask first, how would you describe your relationship with food? And that answer is, I feel like, is new for a lot of people, and they don't know how to answer it, but it leads to a lot of good discussion. And then the second question is, when did you first believe that your body wasn't okay the way it was? And then from there, we kind of go into some, you know, meal plan stuff and and things like that. But one of the bigger messages I I ask them to take away is starting to tune in to their internal cues instead of listening to an outside voice. So listening to the inside instead of the outside, instead of listening to Dr. Whoever on the TV, he's probably not even a real like medical doctor. So, um, not listening to him, but listening to what your body's trying to tell you. Is it hungry? What does hunger feel like to you? Is that, is it a headache? Is it a stomach growling? Like that feels pretty basic and primal. But if you listen to that and you're listening to your fullness cues, are you feeling like you just ate a Thanksgiving meal every time you eat? Well, then you're probably passing that satisfied point. You're probably eating past that. Okay. Why are we eating past that? Why are we not honoring our hunger? Why are we not honoring our fullness? And not honoring those things is what leads us to a lot of restricted binge cycling and stuff like that. But I always say that's all based under the umbrella of intuitive eating. And if you think about intuitive eating, it's, it's tuning in to that internal wisdom that you're born with. And if you ever look at a child, when they are like two or three and they're learning how to eat, they will literally like eat some bites of things and then like run off and do whatever they need. And then sometimes they do just get, get distracted. But for the most part, they're going to eat what they want. And when they're done, they're probably going to stop. Mm-hmm. And they don't care about how much they left on their plate or what food it was. They just eat what they want to eat. They make sure you know what they want to eat. And then they just eat it. And then that's it. And so I really want a lot of my clients to start listening to that again. And it really just becomes really simple when we do that. And those cues, what's so, I mean, just sitting here thinking about the cues, you spend so much time ignoring those cues. Uh And it's probably because of the first question or one of the questions that you ask when you say, when did you start thinking your body wasn't okay? And Uh that's what feeds the Uh cues that you ignore. You know, like that is what introduced you to ignoring those cues because you saw something, felt something, someone was said to you, which is probably a common story of mm-hmm. it is for me, all of my triggers, I can trace back to words that were said to me Absolutely. about what I looked like or didn't look like. Mm-hmm. And then from there, all the cues started getting ignored. Like if I was hungry, yep. I almost celebrated the hunger because I mm-hmm. thought it means I'm going to lose weight. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. It, so many of my clients, when they come in and we, and I ask them to eat breakfast, they're like, oh, I don't get hungry in the morning. Like all of them, literally it's, it's, if they've had to struggle, if they struggled with restriction, most of the time it's like, I'm not hungry in the morning. And I'm like, you're probably not because you've ignored those hunger cues for so long that they just go dormant after a while. If you have a cue, if your body's trying to tell you anything and you're not listening, you're actively ignoring it it's gonna stop sending that cue. sure mm, that so, makes so much sense yeah so when we start adding breakfast i would say three to four weeks in most of them are like i i woke up hungry today 
And I'm like, yeah, it's because you're honoring your body's metabolism and its desires again. So it feels like it can trust you with that knowledge. And when you phrase it as like, oh, it's your, you're building trust with your body that it, it creates more of this unity with your body where before mm. it was this, it we're was against this, each other. Yes. Yes. We're in a fight. It mm-hmm. hates me and never gives me what I want. And now it's more like a team thing and it just feels really cohesive. Ah, that's so good. So mm-hmm. we know counting, it's not a number, get it out of here. Mm-hmm. But we also know over planning, like I'm going to plan every moment of my day and every item I'm going to eat. Mm-hmm. Also a little, a little not great. Sure. So what are just some basic hacks? Like mm-hmm. what are some starting points of, Hey, if you're like, I want to be better about this, but mm-hmm. the only thing I ever see on about how to get better is the counting or the over planning or whatever. Mm-hmm. So what, what are just some easy hacks we can take away? Yeah. So I always say, start where you are. And if you are a new mom, and you're just trying to survive, maybe that just looks like drinking enough water. (laughs) And honestly, if that's all you can do, then that's great. And if you're trying to like eat healthier in any, in any stage of life, I would say, again, do what you can do. So if you really feel like planning meals, cooking meals, meal prepping sounds so overwhelming, try a meal kit service, invest in it. If that feels like supportive to you or hello fresh is so fun. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love it. It's yeah. such a good, and sometimes we'll just do it for a couple of weeks when I'm lacking some like inspiration and I'm so tired of like the nine things we continue to it cook. It is. Is it, is that not the truth? There's like six yes. to seven things and it's just on rotation. I know. Yeah. And you just get tired of them. You need a little pizzazz. It's a great, it's a great resource. And then I would say too, like again, drinking like at least 64 ounces of water, I think is a great goal for anyone getting at least seven hours of sleep, which I know feels so hard for so many, but you can prioritize that moving your body three to four times a week that literally could look like stretching. That could look like walking with a friend because you usually go to coffee with that friend. Well, let's go on a walk instead, especially now that it's prettier outside. So it's just, it would be switching some of those things that make it fit in your life. Don't try to make fitness your life. Mm. So, or in in health and nutrition, your life. So if walking at your lunch break is the only thing you can do, great. One, One thing I do use with a lot of my clients is something called the rules of three. And when, it, when we're talking about meals, meal planning, it's not a meal plan. It's just kind of some rhythms to put in your sure. life. We don't want to do rules, but rhythms are great. Realistic rhythms are great. So with your meals, at least trying to get three meals a day and up, we, I usually say up to three snacks if you want it. And that's so dependent on who you are and your time and how much food you need. The second rule is eating every three to four hours. Why? Because that's about how long it takes for our body to digest the previous meal. That's when we're starting to get those hunger cues again and eating something that feels good to you and that, that after that three or four hours, if it's less than that, fine, but that's just a general rule of thumb. The last rule is having at least three food groups on your plate at a meal and two at a snack. So you're getting that variety. If we're just eating carbs at a snack, we're probably going to be hungry in 30 minutes. Not that carbs are bad. They're just not going to give us the whole nutrition dynamic that we need at that snack. So add a protein with it, add a fat with it. So that's why we add things to things, not because they're good or bad, but because they actually have a purpose to help us function better. They have a role in the overall big picture, which is what Mm -hmm. we lose sight of so quickly is the bigger picture of Mm -hmm. not just how, you know, your waist looks, but how is your body functioning and making sure it's functioning with all cylinders. And that the threes is so easy to remember. Mm -hmm. That is, so I was ready for something like that I needed to write down, but I don't even have to write that down. Yes. You know, that's what we like. We like, we like simple. It's so much easier. Okay. Caitlin, listen, the way we end every episode, 
Uh, you may be ready. You may not be. We're going to find out. <laughs> Some people are never ready. What are you so happy that someone did tell you about? What are you so mm. into right now other than oat milk in your coffee? Oh, gosh. That might have been my one. This one's probably going to be more serious. I love it. Okay. But th- listen, I never have any requirements for okay, this one. Perfect. People are like, I want to leave a final thought. People are like, I want to tell you this moisturizer I use. <laughs> this is anything. Okay. I, I could do a twofer if that's okay. I'll do a serious one and a not serious one. I'm loving my skincare routine. I love a good, I, Susan Yara on YouTube. She is like who I listen to all the time. And she's like, as long as you have a good moisturizer, an SPF, and a vitamin C, you're good to go. And I have I've heard that so many times. I'm loving it. It's I've, so easy. It's luxurious. I love it. And then the serious one was just, I want anyone who's listening to this to realize that life is so much more than food and it's so much more than your weight. If you know Jesus and and you and you love him and you want to serve him, try to zoom out to the bigger bigger picture of your purpose on this earth and it is not it is not your weight. I I say sometimes like your your ticket into heaven is not your BMI. It's it's that you you love the Lord and you believe that he came and died for you. So if you live for that and let your health kind of come into that because he calls us to that. He mm. calls us to treat our body like a temple, but really and truly just take a deep breath and let that meal go that you're feel so guilty about. Be okay with your pant size today and just do what he's called you to do today. Cause mm-hmm. that's all we've been called to do, whatever that is. And it looks so different for everyone. So just remembering that life is more than the things that we get distracted by. Mm-hmm. Like your pants size. Like your pants it's size. It's not that big a deal. Can it's we all not. just go in on that? I, or let's start a movement. We can all just commit to elastic pants. Mm. Only pants that have an elastic band. And dresses. And dresses. I feel like this is fair. This I is. just don't feel like it's asking for Ladies, too much. let's do this. If we all say we're going to do it, then no one can stop us. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what I like to hear. Kate, Kate I'm already giving you a nickname because I was going to talk it. about Cup of Kate. Do it. Hey, great. if you want, listen, we talked about following people who make you feel good and make you feel better not that make Mm. you feel like you're missing out not that make you feel like you're doing something wrong and that is a cup of cake Mm, on instagram we'll link to it in show notes we'll tag you in on some instagram posts so people can follow you it is the stuff that you need the reminders of Mm. daily so go find her follow her and we're gonna go sit out in the sunshine now yes it's time it's time I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.